Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. We've talked about homeowners associations on this channel quite a bit. Of course, HOA is a place where when you buy your home, you're told, oh, by the way, you're the member of an association, you and all of your other neighbors. And the HOAs can be small. I've actually heard of an association involving four units. I've also heard of uh, an HOA that involved hundreds, if not thousands of properties. And of course, they can be homes in a neighborhood uh, they're very, very similar to what they do with condominiums, uh, and I've seen some hybrid situations in different states, but the point is that you are living someplace, and whether you paid for your house outright or make payments on it to a bank, you usually are also paying fees to an association that then oversees that area and takes care of like common elements, for instance. And so on some levels, HOAs can be quite good. Uh, they can make it so the neighborhoods are quite uniform, that the places are kept clean. But, of course, the problem is that quite often the people who have too much time on their hands get themselves onto the boards of the HOAs and start getting really, really nitpicky with how they enforce the rules. And we've heard of places that have rules such as what color your window treatments can be inside your home if they can be seen from the outside. I'm not kidding you. What kind of vehicle you can park in your driveway that is not in the garage overnight? Uh, And so the question then becomes, if you start violating their rules, what can they do to you? And a lot of people are surprised to discover that not only can they fine you, but if you don't pay the fines, they can attach those fines as liens to your property. And in some states, they can foreclose upon you. So there are stories of people who said that they discovered they no longer owned their home. They were in an HOA. They got hit with fees or fines they say they didn't know about or they didn't understand the ramifications of. And then their home was foreclosed upon. And someone came by, knocked on the door, or called them and said, you are living in someone else's house now. Get out and take your stuff with you. And so people wonder, how is that possible? Well, here we'll discuss how it's possible because it happens from time to time. This is from Bloomberg, and quite a few people sent this to me, including Rich. Thank you very much. Sarah Holder wrote this. When the Homeowners Association comes for your home, that's the headline, the woman on the phone wanted Jose Mendoza to know that she wasn't about throwing people out on the street. She left a voicemail. We want to help you. I want you to know your house has been foreclosed. She told the man that his house, his family had been in for seven years, which had almost paid off, had been sold out from underneath him. She said she was calling on behalf of the home's new owners. Uh, So the man thought it was a scam, and his wife had gotten a similar strange call earlier in the week, and so they made some phone calls, and the city and their realtor confirmed that, yes, according to the paperwork, you no longer own this home. Someone else owned the house, says their 20-year-old daughter. We didn't get any notices that our house is going on to foreclosure. We would have done something to prevent all this. Now, most of the places that allow this to happen also have rules about notification. And we hear stories about, oh, the notifications were sent to the wrong place, or they weren't sent at all, or they were sent, but they looked like junk mail, those kinds of things. So this case is the latest in a string of foreclosures initiated last year by the Homeowners Association that governs their neighborhood. The problem started with a series of 100 and 400-hour charges for what they thought were minor violations such as oil-stained pavement and a dead tree. So they had a dead tree in the yard, according to the HOA. They didn't take it down fast enough, and they had oil stains on their pavement. So that snowballed into a debt of more than $6,600 because there were also attorney fees tacked onto that and probably also late payment fees and charges and double-secret probation fees. But they didn't know that now they would have to pay with their house. The HOA behind this particular foreclosure process has developed a reputation in Denver for its litigious behavior, though it says foreclosure judgments are rare. 
The tactics do illustrate the power wielded by uh, homeowners associations across the U.S. to impose escalating fines for what can appear to be capricious rules and to enforce missed payments through tools as severe as foreclosures. As the neighborhood model becomes an increasingly common byproduct of single-family homeownership in the U.S., not all residents know what they're getting into. So whenever I talk about this, I have people say a couple things, uh, and, and, and I understand where the feelings are coming from, but people say, Steve, homeowner associations shouldn't exist. They're, they're, they're wrong. Well, you don't have to join one. But the problem is a lot of people looking for homes fall in love with a home first, and then at the closing, they're told, oh, by the way, it's in an HOA. Now, I know that some states have disclosure requirements, Michigan's among them, that when you're buying a home, the seller's got to give you a mandatory disclosure statement that addresses things like lead paint and easements, and is this part of an HOA? And if you see that box checked, you've got to have a long, long talk with yourself about what you want to do there. And so here's the thing. Around 74 million people, as of 2021, lived in a community association, many of which were HOAs. 74 million Americans. Their ranks have increased 20% since 2010, and they continue to grow because of a lot of building down south. And you might say, but Steve, why, why do they keep building these things if nobody likes them? Well, number one, some people like them. But number two, if you're a builder and you're putting in an entire neighborhood, the streets of the neighborhood itself and sidewalks and, and common areas and things like that uh, will need to be maintained it's often easier for the HOA to get approval and say, we will continue to maintain those things after we've built all the houses out. Rather than asking the city or the municipality, you guys are going to have to come in and take over these streets and plow or whatever you got to do in your part of the country. You may not have to plow them as much in Arizona as we do here in Michigan, depending on what you're plowing. But the point is that, that the maintenance of those things. And so a lot of, a lot of, Developers use the HOA model specifically because they can, I guess, get the approvals faster to have the places built. So since the 1970s, the number of U.S. residents who live in neighborhoods governed by condos, co-ops, and homeowner associations has ballooned. So I've lived in a condo that had an HOA sort of situation. It was just, you know, it was the condo board, uh, and I was on it at one point in time. So I'm intimately familiar with all of this stuff. And the number of people that I encountered while I was on the board who said, I understood it was a condo but I didn't know what the rules were. And now I know when I closed on my condo, they told me, you know, obviously you're joining a condominium association and there's going to be this board that has these rules and bylaws you got to live by. The bylaws were incorporated into the deed such that it actually says this property is described as thus and is governed by these bylaws. And I got a copy of those bylaws at my closing. And you should be able to see them before you close to make sure you're not getting yourself into some crazy place where they can do stuff like this. So I can tell you that I briefly, briefly lived in another place that had an association, okay? And they had a rule that said you had to put your garbage cans out not much more than a certain time period before they get picked up, uh, but you had to put the garbage cans out. And where I lived uh, at that time, there were animals that might get into your garbage. And if your garbage can got knocked over overnight and before the garbage man came by, if the condo association cops uh, saw that, they'd photograph your garbage can and send you a bill for $25. They wouldn't even tip it right back up again. They'd leave it laying down. They'd photograph it and go, you had your garbage can out, knocked over. And so I would go out as late as possible to put my garbage cans out. And I remember one morning I went running. I got up in the morning while it was still dark out. I went running 
and I ran past my garbage cans, and the garbage bin picked up. So it was dark out, but the garbage bin picked up. Came back from running, took the garbage can in, and a couple days later, I got a photograph and, an, and a letter that said, uh, the other day, your garbage can got knocked over or was laying on the ground, and therefore it was not upright. And they had photographed it in the dark prior to when I'd gone running in the dark. So they actually had somebody get up in the middle of the night and go around and check for garbage cans. And all they're doing is photographing all the ones that are knocked over and sending out bills for 25 bucks. And I actually tried appealing that. And they said, no, your garbage can's knocked over. It's like, how do I know you didn't kick it over? It wasn't storming. It wasn't windy. There was, I don't think there's any food. It literally just, it wasn't like the bags were torn apart by raccoons or something. They, they, some, somebody knocked it over and I had to pay 25 bucks. Now I could have fought that. The lengthy appellate process with the HOA is not that, <laughs> not that good. I would have wasted my time, probably gotten charged more. So keep in mind that within their borders, HOAs create their own regulations, which are meant to keep behavior polite, aesthetics consistent, and property values high. They also collect the dues and assessments that keep the neighborhood solvent. They elect boards of volunteers who often outsource the messier work of enforcement to management companies, and that's the situation almost always. And that's where foreclosures can come into play. When homeowners fall behind on payments, they can turn to the courts to collect. Now, you should know, Colorado recently passed a law saying that these homeowner associations cannot do what happened here. That is, they cannot foreclose upon your home and kick you out of it simply because of these unpaid uh, liens and so on that they're placed there for violations of rules, especially where the amounts are so small. But the problem with the case of the couple I was talking about at the beginning here, uh, the Mendozas, is that they were notified of all of this while the law was still making its way through the Colorado legislature. And so they might be out of luck. It's actually a rather lengthy article, and, and this is a great piece because Sarah Holder got a hold of a bunch of these people to give examples of what had happened to them. And many of them were like, well, I knew I owed some money, but I didn't think it was that much. But I also didn't know that my house had been sold out from underneath me. And that is another problem. And I'm going to mention this, and I've mentioned it before once or twice. And that is there are a lot of situations in life where if things go really, really badly, something you own might be auctioned off against your wishes. It could be a car you stopped making payments on. It could be a house you were in that got foreclosed upon, whether by the bank or by an HOA. It could be your stuff at a rental unit, storage wars, right? So if your stuff is getting auctioned off, believe it or not, there's almost always a provision in the law that says that you can go and at least watch the auction, and you can also go and participate in the auction. Meaning that if there's one person who shows up at the auction and your car is being auctioned off, and they go, do we have a bit of dollars? $100, $50, $10. Guy in the back raises his hand, he gets your car for 10 bucks. Now, if you were there and you saw it about to happen, you'd go, 10, 20. You'd pay 20 bucks to get your car back, wouldn't you? Right, so you can bid because the more bidders, the healthier the auction is going to be. But number two, you can attend just to watch to make sure that everything's in the up and up. Because I've heard of stories before where somebody couldn't get anyone to show up at an auction. So they very quickly ran out, grabbed an employee or a friend or called somebody and had them run over and stand there and place the one and only bid. But if you were there and saw it happening, you could get involved. And so these things make more sense if they're in the open with transparency. But there's a bigger problem here because these people say they weren't notified. And if you read the rules of the HOA, it's going to say bad things can happen to you. 
Uh, if you don't make these payments, it can become a lien against your property. We can foreclose. Now, whether or not they have the rules as to what happens next in their bylaws depends on the state. But like I said, in most states, before they can foreclose upon you, they'd have to notify you of the foreclosure. And especially if there's a bank loan, because you have to notify the bank. So the scary part here is that this family they're talking about says that they had made regular payments in the house, had almost paid it off, implying that it was not paid off. So presumably the bank knew about the impending foreclosure, which makes me wonder why the bank didn't call them and say, did you guys know you're about to get foreclosed upon? Because it seems to me the bank would rather have someone in there who's already in there than to have it go through the foreclosure process because that's a nightmare of paperwork. And also, if the home gets foreclosed upon, it's got to get foreclosed upon enough to take care of the bank, one would think. So there's all kinds of issues here. But the biggest issue of all is notification to them. Because I've known people before who said, Steve, my car got repossessed, it got auctioned off, it's gone now, can you help me? I said, okay, when did you find this out? They said, well, I just got this thing in the mail saying that they sold it. I say, but when did you find that it was going to get foreclosed on? When did you find out they were going to do this? Did, did you? And they said, oh, yeah, I got a letter, five, six letters back. What do you mean? Well, I got a letter saying I was behind, and I knew it couldn't make the payments. I got a letter saying they were going to seize my car, which they did. I got a letter saying they were going to auction it off, which apparently they did. And now I got a letter saying it's been auctioned off. And I say, okay you realize it would have been much easier to deal with at the front end. And people go, yeah, I know, but I didn't have the money. Okay, but you understand that. At least you understand that the process was there. You were notified. And the fact that you ignored these notices uh, doesn't help you. So the point is, if these people are in a homeowner's association and they've violated the rules, uh, basic due process would suggest that you're entitled to know that you've broken the rules. You're entitled to know that, you know, here's what you need to do to take care of this. Uh, if there's a process for fighting the findings, you can do that too. But if not, here's what's going to happen to you. And you should be notified. And I don't know if you've ever noticed before, but a person, like I, like I said, I mentioned earlier, running, right? I've been out running through neighborhoods. And occasionally you run by a house and you'll see something nailed or tacked to the front door. And it can be anything such as a notice from the city saying your house has a building violation that we couldn't uh, notify you about because you weren't home. And it can also be a foreclosure notice. And a lot of states will say for a foreclosure to take place on a home, you must notify the homeowner. And it'll say you must, for instance, uh, mail it to them first class, send it to them certified, try to get a signature. And sometimes it'll even say, and by posting on the house or posting on the unit to be foreclosed upon. And posting would be tape it or nail it to the front door. So you ever hear somebody nailing something to your front door? And, and this isn't a long, long time ago. <laughs> At a religious building in Europe, if someone's nailing something to your front door, uh, go out and take a look to see what it is. And if you come home and find something nailed to your front door, uh, take a look at that and, and probably call a lawyer. But here the problem is that Colorado has updated their laws on this, but it might not have been updated soon enough to help this particular couple. But they're in court, I believe, right now trying to take care of that. So if you're going to get yourself into an HOA, think twice and understand what you're getting yourself into. I get Emails from people who say, Steve, I'm in an HOA and I love it. They can work. They can, okay? But I hear more complaints about petty people getting on the boards, at which point I advise you, get on the board. Do what you can to get on the board. That's why I got on the board of my condo association. <laughs> Sick of the nonsense from somebody on the board. So when your homeowner association comes for your home from Bloomberg, Sarah Holder wrote it. whole bunch of people sent it, and Rich sent it to me. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. 
Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Whatever your secret was, you have to agree, mine was better.